You're listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. Good morning, New Geners. I hope you guys are all doing well this morning. May I begin my message by saying this, that there is only one winner, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I think it's a great way to uh, start your message, you know, with an amen. But yeah, my message today is from the book of uh, Deuteronomy. But I want to begin, friends, by saying this, that the Bible is not two different books with two different messages. You know, some people think that there is this nasty old book full of law, and then there is this new book full of love, as if there was two different God. No, he's the same God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who never changes. And we are to love God as we fear him. And we are to fear God as we love him. And he is as much to be loved in the Old Testament as he is to be feared in the New. But today I want to speak from the book of Deuteronomy. Who is this book for? What is this book about? And how does this book speak to us, to me and to you today? So first, who is this book for? And friends, three things. Firstly, this book is for all those who have been trusted with leadership. Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 18, it says here that the king in Israel... When he sits on the throne of his kingdom, when a new king is crowned, friends, what is the first thing he has to do? He shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law. Can you imagine when a new king is crowned, what is the first thing he has to do? Publish policy for the nation? No, he needs to learn how to establish policy for the nation. And how he is going to find that out is that he goes to his study room and he's been given this scroll uh, that, uh, you know, and then he has to pen down word to word this book, the book of Deuteronomy. And that has not been said, friends, about any other book in the Bible apart from this book. And God says in verse 19, And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life. So this book is for all those who leads. It's for fathers. It's for mothers. It's for business leaders. It's for elders and pastors. It's for anyone who seeks to have influence or had been given influence in the life of another person. You need to know, friends, what's in this book because it's about how God plans his people to live. Secondly, it is for all of God's people. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 10 to 12, you'll find there that it says that at the end of every seven years in a special occasion, when all Israel gets together, uh, when all of God's people get together, you shall read uh, this law. 
the whole of Deuteronomy is to be read to the entire believing community. It says in verse 12, assemble the people, men, women, and the little ones. And you read the whole 34 chapter to the entire nation. That's what the Lord says. That they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law. That has not been said in the Bible, friends, of any other book. This book is to be read every seven years so also the children may learn. So the whole community would know uh, what the purpose of God is for their lives. This is for families this is for children. This is for the whole church. It's for all of God's people. It's for the leaders and it's for all of, the God, all of God's people. Thirdly, it is a book specially and very specifically for people who have forgotten their Lord, their God. Now, there is a great story about this book, friends, further on in the Old Testament, you know, 800 years uh, after when Deuteronomy was penned, uh, God used this book to bring great change to the whole nation. God's people had gone through some dark times because for some evil kings have come and sat on the throne. One of them was by the name of Manasseh. And you can read these friends in Second uh, Kings in chapter 21. Manasseh, think about this. He sacrificed his own son in the fire. He practiced sorcery, uh, the book of Kings says, and he practiced divination. And that is black magic and fortune telling. And can you imagine this guy, friends, this guy was leading God's people. So it's hard to imagine a darker day in the life of the people of God. You can be sure of that Manasseh as the king, he never wrote a copy of uh, this book, you know, for uh, what he needed to do to write this copy. Perhaps he never even read it or even have seen it, uh, even seen it. That's why he gave no attention to its teaching. During the time of Manasseh, friends, the book of Deuteronomy was completely, completely forgotten. And Manasseh, Manasseh reigned for 55 years. That's half a century. Friends, imagine what will happen, you know, when God's people are being led by someone, you know, who does not even know God or probably not even following God. Imagine what will happen to God's people being led without the word of God for more than half a century. What will happen, friends, is a generation will grow up who will not know their Lord, their God. And that's what happened in Israel until a man named by Josiah came to sit on the throne. It says in 2 Kings in chapter 22, when Josiah was just 18 years old, the high priest named by Helkiah, he goes into the temple of the living God and he finds this dusty old book that has not been touched or read for more than half a century Finally, the high priest finds the Bible. 
and he brings a copy of it, uh, this book, the book of Deuteronomy, perhaps written by one of the previous kings, and he brings this book to Josiah. And the Bible says, friends, when Josiah read this book, he tore his robes and he got down on his knees and he began to pray. It's because he re realized that the nation has gone so, so far from God, you know, what God was calling his people to do. And from that, he launched a reformation, a complete shift that changed the face of national life in Israel for more than a century, more than a generation, sorry. Now that is the influence of this book. So, so, friends, this book is for, uh, who is this book for? It is for all of us. And so I want to encourage friends, for parents to go and read this book and then sit with your family, sit with your children and read this book. What's the storyline of this book? What it's about? Now, just to understand the storyline, friends, most of you guys know this, that God had given uh, the promised line to Abraham and to his descendants. Three generations later, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and there was a famine in the promised land. God's people, you know, uh, went, uh, God's people went to Egypt where God provided food for them. And they end up staying there for 400 years, not because they wanted to, because they became oppressed and they became slaves. Uh, they were cruelly treated and they began to cry out to their Lord, their God. God raised up Moses and under the leadership of Moses, the miracle of Exodus took place. And God's people, a large family who went there 400 years ago, came out and they became indeed a great nation as God has promised. God met them at Mount Sinai and he said to them that I will be your God and you will be my people. And so now Moses in this book of Deuteronomy from chapter 1 verse 6 till chapter 2 and verse 26 reviews for us what happened when God's people came to Mount Sinai and onwards. At Mount Sinai they were given the Ten Commandments. And Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 6 to 8 it says, when we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It is time to break camp and move on. Verse 8, God says, Look, I am giving all this land to you. Go in and uh, occupy it. So having received the law of God and having received the sacrifices, it was time for God's people to move forward. And Moses tells what happens over here. Chapter 1, verse 9 to 18, they appoint leaders in other words. They got organized. They got over a million people, friends, and they got organized. They put structures in place to do what God was calling them to do. And Deuteronomy chapter nine, chapter one and verse nineteen, they sent out spies. They did the research. They found out that what was lying ahead of them, that what it will take 
for them to move forward in God and do what God was calling them to do, take this land of Canaan. And I'm sure that you guys know the story in Deuteronomy chapter 26. That was where fear set in. The people were unwilling to go up. And verse 27, they began to grumble in their tents. And verse 28, they said, where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. The full story, what happened, friends, is at Numbers and chapter 14. Did you know that God's people, they became so unhappy that they were actually uh, talking about stoning Moses and Aaron. Now, that's a problem. And at that moment, God steps in, the glory of the Lord comes in the camp, and God says in Numbers in chapter 14, verse 22 to 23, none of these men will see the promised land. The ones who have complained, the ones who have uh, grumbled, the ones who have complained against Moses, None of them will see this promised land. The ones who have acted in unbelief, not trusting in God, none of them will see this promised land that I saw to their forefathers. No one who has ever treated me with contempt will ever gonna enter into the promised land. So Deuteronomy chapter 2 tells us what happens next. The people began wandering in the desert. And it went on, friends, for an entire generation because God said that none of them will enter into the promised land, the ones who have complained and treated me with contempt. So here are God's people. They can't go back to Egypt. They can't go to Canaan. So they are stuck. And that's the story. Moses is telling God's people, you know, going round and round and round with God, you know, providing for them. God's kindness still showering upon them, but nothing of God's mission advancing through their lives. See, Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 13 to 14, friends, 38 years has passed. And think about that. And by then, the entire generation, you know, of that fighting men has perished from the camp, just as the Lord has said to them. In verse 15, the Lord's hand was against them until he had completely eliminated them from the camp. And when the last of these fighting men had died, you know, verse 16, God tells Moses to move forward. Moses recorded what happened next. They fought two battles with the king of Shion and Og. And these two great victories brought them right into the threshold of the promised land. So God's people, after all these years, after a wasted generation, at last, they are in the verge of entering into the purpose of what God was calling them to do. They are ready to cross the river Jordan. They're right in the verge of the promised land. They set up camp and Moses speaks to them. And what Moses said is the book of Deuteronomy. See, the first bit, friends, is just all the flashback. You know, the things that took place uh, when they, uh, you know, in getting where they are right now. 
in the wedge of the promised land. And so they are in the wedge of the promised land. And Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, It is the 40th year and it is the first day of the 11th month. So in our calendar, that is 1st of November, right? Now, friends, we know from the book of Joshua chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan. That's 10th of January. So this period of time from 1st November uh, to 10th of January, how many days is this? It is 70 days, right? So friends, this is the story of 70 days in preparation for God's people entering into that which God was calling them to do. It took them 40 years to get there, but now at this critical moment, God prepares a new generation to grasp in a new way the challenges and the opportunities that now lie ahead of them. See, Deuteronomy, friends, chapter 1 and verse 6, that's why Moses, he begins with a flashback. He is saying, look, I got to tell you the story of the last 40, uh, 40 years so that you can understand the significance of the moment that we are at because your parents were here a generation ago. And let me tell you this, if they would have believed you, most of you guys, you would have been born, you know, in Canaan. All of you guys would have been born in Canaan. But they did not believe. They were full of fear. Uh, that's why most of you guys, you are born in the desert. You have not known anything else in your life. But now God is calling you. Moses is saying God is placing, placing you on the very ground that, you know, once they stood where they made a very wretched decision, acting in unbelief, not trusting in the promises of God. And now God is calling you to be the people of faith. This is your moment of opportunity. This is your moment of destiny. See, this book is about a new generation, friends, being prepared in a new way to move forward in God. It's about God's people that has been wondering. It's about believers embracing its mission. That's what this book is about. It's about kings and leaders. It's about those who have forgotten their Lord, their God. Now, friends... How does this book speak to us today? See, this new generation, you know, who God was preparing to enter into the promised land, God is preparing them from not only, you know, being people with a faith, but God is preparing them to become people with a mission. See, a new generation that lived and died in the desert, their parents, they believed God, they believed in Him, they have experienced Him, they had gone through the miracle of the Exodus, but as people that believed in God, they did not act in faith towards God. They acted in unbelief. Friends, three words to describe unbelief. Unbelief wastes Time, a journey that should have taken 11 days, according to Moses here, end up taking 40 years. 
How many years of our life, you know, we have wasted in unbelief? Let's ask ourselves, friends, how long have I been a person who had, uh, you know, who has a faith in God, but no real sense of what my, you know, mission in God actually is, in God and for God? Friends, unbelief wastes time. God did so much for these people. Remember, for 40 years, he has provided for them manna. You know, every day he has provided for them like he is providing for us. But while God did so much for these people, the tragedy is that they did so very little for him. And so as they come to the verge of uh, the promised land, the, gr the great question that Moses must be addressing to this new generation of believers who have never known anything else of the outside world but have a kind of a vague belief that does not involve any mission. See, what God is doing, friends, he is preparing them from becoming just a people of faith and of becoming people with a mission. And the question is that how can you and I move, you know, from becoming, uh, uh, for, from being a people with just a faith and to become a people with a mission? Becoming a person who gets involved in living for Jesus Christ, advancing God's kingdom. That we don't waste time, you know, panicking in unbelief which stops us, friends, to move forward in Jesus Christ, right? Now, three things I want to say. Number one, if we want to become people with a mission, first we have to break free from our past. If we want our friends move from being a directionless person, you know, with a faith uh, to becoming a purposeful person with a mission uh, for God, we need to break free from our past. See, before coming to Christ, my past, your past, what have we seen and what have we learned from that? See, we have experienced, friends, few good things and heaps and heaps of disappointment and, 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 and failures. We were always complaining and whinging about life while I was, you know, always trying to defeat our enemy in our own strength, you know, the enemy that we were not even aware of. And then Jesus, he saved us. Praise God for that, right? And we have been placed uh, in the body of Christ by God, the Holy Spirit, which is our local church. And each believer, friends, in the body has been given different gifts so that with those gifts together we can advance the kingdom of God. But we have to break free from our past if we want to move forward in God. Because our past experience, you know, of living without God will always going to tempt us, friends, to do things in our own strength without, you know, God's wisdom and without God's guidance, without being led by the Spirit. Friends, we need to become desperate in order for us to, you know, break free from our past. Our past sins, you know, we, the sins that what we used to do, if we want to get victory in that, we need to get desperate and we need to come to Jesus and, 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 and ask Jesus for us to deliver us from our lifestyle of sin. 
we need to break free from our worldly way of thinking and speaking, our worldly way of dealing with problems like we used to before knowing Jesus, our worldly way of seeing this world. In Romans in chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, then we will be able to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, being used in our gifting in the body of Christ. How? By the renewing of our minds. See, the Bible says that we live in this world, friends, but we are not of this world. We are of another world, heaven. Now, it's always good to remember our past failures, not to have a pity party so that we can learn from, you know, the miseries and the pain that came about uh, living without God, fighting uh, without God this battle uh, that, uh, that now we are fighting. That will help us to move forward, to break free from our, camp, from the, from our past. And even, friends, some of the faults that we have seen in our Christian parents, we need to break free from that. See, think about these guys. They are standing in the verge of the promised land and they have all been born in the desert. They don't know anything else. And what they have seen and what they have learned from their parents is whinging and complaining. That's all they have learned from them. They, their parents, they were never appreciative what God was doing for them. See, God provided every day for them. God took them out from their slavery. Their parents, although physically they were taken out from their slavery, but, you know, Satan always blinded them to make them think that, either, that Egypt was always better. They always wanted to go back to Egypt. Look what they say in Exodus in chapter 16 in verse 3. They say, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. See, they they came out of Egypt, but Egypt never came out of them. And God said about the generation that they were stiff-necked people. See, the parents, they learned most of the things, uh, you know, most, most of the things how to do life was in Egypt because they were all born in Egypt. Like some of us friends, we are born in a non-Christian homes. And, but let me say this, that even some of us who are born in a Christian home, we need to, you know, break free from, you know, things of this world because we are, maybe we are hanging around with the people of this, uh, of this world who does not know Jesus and we are always, you know, ready to follow their pattern of behavior. You know, the Bible says, friends, that bad company corrupts good morals. And so... I want to say to the guys, if you are a you know, believer in Jesus Christ, see, the only time I go and hang around with non-believers, to be honest, is my desire is for them to know Jesus. Otherwise, I run away from them, man, because I don't want to become like them. It's so easy to become like them. Now, friends, although we have become born again and we have received the Holy Spirit, 
we still need to break free from our past or else our past will always have its way in us. It will always hinder us, friends, to move forward in Jesus Christ. See, this new generation, what they have seen from their parents, they have to now move from that in order for them to enter into the promised land. And so do we. We need to do the same. I needed to do that. I was born in a Hindu family, friends, and I needed to let go of my past, those customs and those culture, you know, that so easily I could have brought into, you know, my life as a believer. I had to break free from that. Number two, how can we come out of from being people just coming to faith through Jesus Christ and becoming people with a mission? See, not only, friends, we need to break free from our past, but we need to trust God for our future. See, this new generation who Moses is addressing, their parents, they were very, very cautious. They never wanted to take any risks in God, you know, not trusting uh, their future, their awesome future is, uh, you know, to be trusted, you know, uh, in the God that they have received. They always lived in fear. See, the God who so wanted to bless them by giving them this promised land. And listen again what they say about this God. In Numbers in chapter 14 and verse 2, he say, they say, If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness. And God you know, gave them their wish. They say, you will all die in the wilderness. See, to all the parents, to all of us, I want to say this, friends, that we need to trust uh, in the God who has saved us. When we will trust uh, in God, not only, you know, we will please God, but we will teach our children how to trust God for their needs. See, the parents who died in the desert, they did not do that. That's why their children are in the situation that they are at, still in the wilderness. See, our children, they need to see that we just don't say we believe in Jesus and we, we, we love Jesus. They need to see that when storms of life, you know, bad situations arrive our way, they need to see that we are on our knees crying out to God, not leaning on our own understanding, but coming to Jesus and trusting uh, God for our future. They need to see that. But let me say that if they choose, you know, the children, if they choose to uh, not follow Jesus, well, they can never point a finger at us, right? That we learn this from you guys. They cannot do that. And I want to say to those parents, if you have struggled, friends, in front of your children, see, maybe, you know, uh, what our children have seen in us most of the time, that we are struggling in God. Dad, mom, I want to encourage you by saying that. That be honest before them. You need to pray a prayer of repentance right in front of them. We will teach them, friends, how important repentance is. And not just that if we, you know, mess up, we just sweep it under the carpet and we can just move on. No, first, our, you know, honesty before God will, uh, will, will make us overcome our struggles and it will teach them how to trust in God and, and what they need to do if they, you know, kind of not living for God. They need to repent before God. 
it will help them also to not to see us as hypocrites. I want to encourage you guys, friends, from my heart, do that. Look, my friend, we can, you know, fool our church family members. We can even fool our pastors, but don't ever think for one sec that we could fool our spouse or, or our children. They know everything about us. No point wearing a mask in front of them, man. <laughs> Thirdly, to the younger ones, this is what I want to say, friends, that the God that you have received, he is a faithful God. He is faithful. See, the God that the parents, they did not serve faithfully, you know, in the desert, God still provided for them till they all died. And God, who should have destroyed the whole entire nation, he did not destroy their children. He was merciful to their children because he is not only a covenant-making God, friends, and let me say this, he is a covenant-keeping God. See, he made a covenant with their forefather Abraham that to his descendants he will give this land. Young men, young women, let me encourage you by saying this, man. Live for this God. And you need to build your own testimony in God. You know, whether you have seen your parents on fire for God or not, that should not matter, you know, with your walk with Christ. You need to build your own testimony, my friends. Because God is the God of the individual. He gives each one according to what the individual does. See, when we're going to stand in front of God, God is not going to say, well done, good and faithful mom or dad or son or daughter or grandparents. He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Guys, I want to say, live for Jesus, man, and you will see that his provision in your life. You will see it. He will open those doors. Yes, you will be tested and tempted as you're going to serve him faithfully. Yes, there will be times where you're going to take few knocks and few hits. Even you will stumble and you will fall. But if you are in love with Jesus, the Holy Spirit will come and quickly lift you up. Yes, you are concerned about, you know, what jobs you're going to do, who you're going to get married to. But this you must know, friends. That our God, He is a faithful God and He is merciful and He is forgiving. That in Jesus Christ, His love endures forever and ever and ever. I hope that you guys are getting encouraged over here. How can Christians move from being in love with this world and becoming more love in Jesus Christ? More love with Jesus Christ, sorry. Friends, by understanding and by knowing that the ultimate plan of God for every believer is not to bless us here on earth, but the ultimate plan of God is for every believer to go to heaven. That's the biggest blessing that we can uh, receive from God. Yes, you know, God will open those doors of blessing, my friend, as we're going to save him faithfully. But his ultimate blessing is to take every believer into another promised land, and that is heaven. And that covenant God has made with everyone who is in Jesus Christ. So I want to say, make it all about Jesus. Make it all about Jesus, my friend. 
And God, he has given us, his church, the responsibility to share the gospel, to make Christ known to everyone before, you know, Christ comes back to take us home. And friends, let me say, only live, living with eternity in mind will make us be, become people who does not just, you know, say that I believe in Jesus. Uh, living with eternity in mind will make us uh, say that, make us become people with a mission for Jesus Christ. That we will want everyone to know Jesus is the Lord and Savior. How? By living with eternity in our minds. See, Jesus, he lived with eternity in mind. For him, it was all about doing his father's business here on earth. You know, John chapter 4 and verse 34, he says, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. See, Satan thought, friends, that it was mission impossible, but Jesus, our Lord, our God, he accomplished his mission here on earth, on the cross, as he was dying for the sins of this world. He cried out and he said, it is finished. And the reason he was able to, friends, accomplish, you know, his mission here on earth. Why? Because he was living with eternity in mind. That's why he did not, you know, receive, you know, what Satan was trying to offer him in the wilderness while he was getting tempted. He exactly knew what his purpose was here on earth, my friend. And he knew that he had to come and die for the sins of the world. And then he has to go back to the Father. Now, friends, I want to say that every Christian one day, you know, in our dying bed, in order for us to go to heaven, we have to trust in Jesus Christ. Going home to be with our Lord, right? And friends, if we are in Jesus Christ, I will be confidently be saying that in Jesus Christ, I'm going home. With confidence, I will be able to say that. But can we with confidence say that for me, it was to live Christ, and now to die, it will be gain. Can we say that? See, the people who died in the wilderness, they did not receive their inheritance here on earth that God so wanted to bless them with. They suffered loss. See, the Bible speaks about that some Christians in heaven will suffer loss. In 1 Corinthians and chapter 3, you can go and read that. Paul speaks about that suffering loss. Why? Why would Christians suffer loss? Because they don't want to live for Jesus. They are too busy, you know, doing their own thing, gaining this world. Friends, that's why I'm saying better start living for Jesus. See, when Christ will be the center of all that we do, then we will be able to say it's not only going to be gain, but it's going to be an awesome gain. You know, I seriously believe that even in heaven, there will be some gnashing of teeth. That's when, you know, when I'm going to see my inheritance going to someone else, when I'm going to see my inheritance going to Shelley, I will be saying, why didn't I live for Jesus, man? Why I was wasting my, you know, life, you know, gaining this world? 
friends, as through Moses, God was teaching and preparing, you know, this younger generation, preparing them because they had to fight some giants as they're going to enter into the promised land. So also God, the Holy Spirit, he is preparing us and he is teaching us because he wants us to fight those giants, you know, that we're going to face in our life before we will enter into our promised land. And let me say the last thing over here, that Jesus has saved us from going to hell. Praise God for that. Those of you who are in Jesus Christ, you can rejoice because in Jesus you are going to heaven. And our mission, it is and it always should be that while we are living on earth, for us to look for opportunities so that we can speak the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. See, the mission for every believer is to make Christ known. And one of the ways we can make him known is by using the gifts that we have received from Jesus Christ. You know, our pastoral gift, the prophetic gift, you know, if you're a teacher of the word, that gift, you know, the apostolic gift and any other gift that we have received from Jesus. Jesus wants us to use that gift so that he can be known. Friends, we should look for every opportunity using those gifts. Guys, I want you to hear my heart, please, because I don't want to put pressure on anyone's gifts, including my gift that I've received from God, because our gifts cannot save anyone. The one who saves is God through Jesus Christ, the one who is the giver of the gift. See, the point that I want to make is this, that are we looking for opportunity so that Jesus can be mentioned in our conversation? Is our heart desire to see people coming to Christ? Are we, you know, using those gifts for the advancement of God's kingdom? Is there this love for Christ in us, uh, the, uh, for, for the world to know him so that we can introduce him to the world? Are we making an effort, friends, so that our king can be known by the whole world. Oh, is our gift, you know, collecting dust in the display cabinet. I'm challenging all of us here. Friends, I want to say, I don't know what my gift in Christ is. I really don't. But let me say this. Every person that I meet, every person, and I'm serious, man, I look for opportunities so that I can tell them about Jesus because I don't want them going to hell. I'm using, you know, everything, you know, in every conversation. I try to direct my conversation in a way so that Christ can be mentioned. And I want to stay all of us today, man. Make Christ known. Make it all about Jesus, man. See, this new generation who is about to enter into the promised land where Moses is speaking to them, their mission is to... Enter into the promised land which Jesus has already died and came to this world. Praise God for that. But their mission was to enter into the promised land so that God's son, Jesus Christ, could be born and so that he can come and die on the cross for the sins of this world. And our job, friends, let me say, is to introduce, you know, the risen king to the whole world. I hope that God is stirring something in your hearts today this morning so that Jesus can be mentioned in your conversation to people who does not know Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. And uh, I think that Clint wants to come and say something. 
Wonderful word, um, Joe. Well done. Um, just a really sobering word, I think. Um, and I, I don't think we should move on. I think we should just um, just pray and just um, even right now in your lounge rooms, wherever you're watching this, I think we need it needs to be a response. Um, I was sitting there very challenged um, by what Joe's word was, you know, about raising our next generation and um, in, in the ways of God and teaching them. And, uh, you know, how often do I actually um, sit with them and, and, you know, share the God's laws and God's truths. And so, yeah, maybe we can just uh, spend uh, a minute or two just praying. And, uh, yeah. Father, I just um, thank you for this word. Lord, this, um, we thank you that your word brings truth and we thank you that it lights up um, dark areas that often we don't want exposed in our hearts, in our minds. Lord, um, like your word says, we want to be transformed um, by your word and the renewing. We want our minds to be re- renewed um, so that we can live for you. Uh, Father, we just um, bow before you, Lord, and, and submit our hearts and say, if there's anything in, in us that needs to be changed, Lord, then change it. Take it out, um, Father, those previous um, sins, Lord, those past a lifestyle of sins, those things that we um, go back to over and over again, um, like the Israelites where they're wanting to go back to their old ways and we sh- it should have been better there. And Lord, we don't want to live that way. We, wanna, we know we've got an inheritance. We know we, our future's in you. And we want to inherit those promises, Father, those things um, that you've got in store for us that are in the promised land. Uh, And we want to teach our children to do the same, our next generations. Uh, Lord, we just pray that um, that you would reveal those things to us. And uh, we pray, Holy Spirit, that um, you would lead us and guide us into these things. We thank you for this word this morning, for the truth that it's brought. And uh, we just pray that your kingdom would advance, Lord, powerfully. There'd be transformation because of this word. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us the great commission to go into all the world and to make disciples and to make you known. And so, Lord, we, we just lift you up um, this morning and we just say that we would um, live our lives glorifying you. We would take our gifts out of the cabinet, Lord, the, the gifts that have maybe got a little bit of dust on them, Lord, and, and help us to reuse those things that you've given us. Lord, we, we want to be faithful servants. We thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice on the cross, and we don't want it to be wasted. We, we want to see many come to you. We want to see the gospel advance, and we pray that our generations to come would um, inherit the promises that you have for them, Lord, that we would be real with our, before our families and before our children, where we repent of things that um, have been built up or things, uh, yeah, just that you would help us to remove those masks, Lord, that we put on and um, pretend like things are okay. Lord, I just thank you for this, um, what you've done this morning, what you've spoken and, and the fruit that we're going to see from this word. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You've been listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at newgencitychurch.org.